0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Edge of Futurists podcast. Thank you for joining us, uh, wherever you are in the world, whatever time you're listening to this. Uh, but we are recording this on the 25th of May, 2023. So, uh, good. To, yeah, we've just we've just finished our days gathering together online to chat, um, and we've got a good one to this evening. It's just going to be the three of us. We're talking about. Um, something that's quite close to our hearts um, and a publication that we released at our recent event the of futurist uprising called uh the of futurist trends booklet um and we in there we look at the the kind of all the learnings and uh and the things that we've discovered over the last year or so of the of futurist podcast uh, there's Ben there showing it up on in, on his screen, um, and kind of where we think the edge of where the, we think the future of education is going. So before we delve into that, um, lads, it's been a has it been a week um, or two weeks? I think it's been. Yeah, it's been two. Uh, ben was in South Africa last week. How was yeah. that?
1: It was uh, it was class actually. Yeah, <clears throat> it was a flying visit, literally, um, nineteen hours or so. Including all transfers and everything to get there, but yeah, it was really good. I was um, speaking at a conference out there um, with the team from Cloud Edu. It was uh, it was great, lovely, lovely to meet some South African educators, uh, and uh, I talked about this book. In fact, I actually got loads of people to uh, to, them, to get it on the uh, the, <laughs> the the electronic version and talking to them about wolves and wolf packs and connection. Yeah, it was, it's been there. Uh, it was really, really good. Really good. Met some people as well. Um who were gonna come on the podcast in the future as well. So yeah, all good, all good fun. Um and just recovering, I think. There's no jet lag, because South Africa or Johannesburg particularly is on the same almost the same time zone as us. So I wasn't I wasn't jet lagged, apart from the fact that I didn't sleep very much. But I did watch the Elvis film on the plane. I don't know if you lads have seen the Elvis film. I loved no. it. It's good, he's he's really it's really, really good. So I enjoyed that. Yeah.
0: Nice, yeah. I think I've got 16 hours. Well, thirty-two hours all in all on on planes next week. So I might. Hopefully, it'll be on there. I'll check yeah. it out. Uh, it is worth watching. It's worth watching. Is it you? Uh, yeah, yeah. I saw some of the pictures. Looked like you had a good time. Uh, you and uh, mixing with some uh, big American players, Holly Clark. I think I saw a picture of you and her in the back of a car together.
1: Um... Well, hold on. A minute. What kind of pictures were these talking about? Uh, it was it was a totally above board course. Your picture, yeah, joined by our uh, our friend, Mr. Abby Patel as well. So yeah, that was that was interesting. Yeah, some re- some really great people there. Uh, I met up with Alan Antoine, um, who's was a just a cool guy out from Texas, um, and Ken Shelton out there from California as well. A lot of our listeners will know them. Yeah. Some 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 big-name American people, but also some uh, some Brits representing. There were four Brits, five Brits representing out there, which was good. So, yeah, uh, Georgina Dean as well was was out there. So, yeah, it, 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 was, it was wicked. Um, we looked after really, really well. Met some good people. Uh, we had a good conference, and uh, then I flew home. So, hopefully, next time I go out to South Africa, I'll get to uh, stay a little bit longer and uh, get awesome. out of the city bustle of Johannesburg uh, what, what about you two I know you've probably not traveled as far away as that but uh, what about you two what have you, uh, what have you been up to
0: <clears throat> go on Steve you go
2: I'm just trying to think I haven't really done much this week um, met up actually met up yesterday with a good friend and a, um, a sponsor of um, the FE award uh, peers um, uh, Collins from Hundo and um, yeah, some exciting stuff that's happening in the in the north of England. Um with some I, I don't wanna I don't want to say it because actually I don't know if it's confidential, but some big, big companies in the in the Leeds region and some other stuff that are in the metaverse and, and everything else and um who knows for next year for the for the event, um there'll be hopefully some sections in the metaverse um where um, some of the learning, some of the taking place, some of the engagement with with partners and everything else, but yeah, it was good to catch up with peers. I've actually seen him about this is the second or third time I've seen him since the uh, the awards, and it's only a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, this week's just been local, really. Um, and my feet are now. Um, I sound very quiet. Maybe, maybe I'm very quiet. I don't know. Softly spoken. You're all,
1: You're always quiet. Steve. Yeah. You're always quiet
2: i'm always quiet i'm always just quiet. for the for the my,
0: for people listening or watching I, I just met we 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 tend to you you won't say this uh if you if you listen or you watch but we tend to message each other throughout episodes um um just just lining maybe up the game
2: away because if anybody sees us laughing anyway now behind the scenes, <laughs> I know that we've dropped a joke in it or something. But
0: there are two levels to what's going on. You, there's a level like that viewers never see, isn't there? There's the there's the private chat that goes on d- during the recording. But I, I just messaged Steve to say you're sounding a bit quiet. Um...
2: Uh, maybe that'll work. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it'll move it forward. I don't know. Uh, but uh, maybe I'm just a quiet person. I don't know. But yeah, uh, back to running. Tomorrow is my first run post-marathon. The feet are. Healed and now um, gearing up for Great North Run in October, uh, in September, and then I think I might be no- running another marathon in October, but I'm not committed yet, so I need to just uh, tread carefully. And hopefully, the wife's not hearing me because I told her I'm never running a marathon again. But um, we'll see. But uh, but yeah, it's been good. Been nice to be at home with the family and everything else, and business still moves on, doesn't it? But yeah, not a, not a massive exciting week, but yeah, good week. Good week. How
0: about you, Dan? Um, yeah, it's been good. I actually, I had a, I had a first today. I um, I don't know if you can. Apologies for those who are listening, but if you if you look at that picture there, I uh, I had my nose and my ears waxed. Yeah, the barbers. My goodness. welcome to
1: the revolution. The best thing ever.
0: So I I I forgot. So with my barbers, he's got an app, and you you when you book the book the appointment, you say what you want. And I'd put my he usual. Did he Sorry.
2: Does he use boxy? here?
0: No, it's like it's a special one for barbers. I think. Oh, right. Forget what it's called. Uh, near cut. Well, it's called. Right. Uh, but uh, I, so I booked my my beard trim. Uh, I booked my haircut, and I also booked the, this uh, year and nose wax. But I'd forgot I'd done it, so he d- he cut my hair. Um, I say cut, and he shaved it all off. Then he he trimmed my beard. And as I was lying there, like you know, because when he does the beard, your you head's back on the on the seat. Um, I just felt this thing going into my ear out of nowhere. <laughs> this uh, wet, soggy stick going into my ear, um, and I thought, "What?" <laughs> then I suddenly remembered what, um, and I was like, "Oh shit, what am I going to do?" Um, but yeah, if you saw that picture, I had I had a stick coming out of each nostril, a stick coming out of each ear. Uh and then he pulled them out, uh, which was which is interesting. But but it's it's amazing.
1: Yeah, you feel you feel clean, you feel like, oh, they're good. You have that little moment of like, oh no, that, that, that was a little tickle. However, interestingly, just if that's the first time you've had it done, Dan. I don't know if have you had it done, ever done, Steve. No, Steve's saying
2: no, he's never had it. Um
0: Steve forgets what it's a podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, don't, don't be horrible, Technology's moved on. There is video on Spotify, <laughs> just to clarify to <laughs> the audience to watch. Thanks to everybody for watching. Steve's,
0: Steve's communicating with sign language throughout this episode.
2: Uh, it's, uh, Mac- <laughs> Mac- um, a bit- Where's your <laughs> flags? Get your flags there. But
1: um, ultimately, <laughs> what will happen now, Then, just so you know, it grows back twice as long. I don't oh, know man. why. I don't know why, but they go massive.
2: So I'm you've just going to call start, this out. You've, you've opened up a can of worms there. Just going to call want? it out. Literally, wanna, it's going to be
0: a worms. Sorry,
2: don't want to be too offensive. Both, of you need to start waxing the top of your head then, um, and see whether it helps. <laughs> um,
0: wow!
1: Wow! Hey, this is this, <laughs> this is from the bloke who, um, you, just because you've got a set of headphones on there, you're not adding the fact that you are. You have to make a decision on your on your on your. Uh, your haircut? And your recently? I, yeah. I get a
2: hair, I'm get, having an haircut tomorrow. It must be a, a theme of the week. I, I need my dull. This is a long. It's, it's
0: been. a good. It's, it's, been a it's a good haircut. Week. I like it a lot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would love it. Love it. Anyway, that,
0: <laughs> that was my impression of uh, of Lloyd from uh, Dumb and Dumber, by the way. I, yeah, it, it I didn't know whether you were
2: going to break right said Fred or what you are going to try and achieve, <laughs> but uh, um, but uh, coming from the, one of the Mitchell brothers, Joe, you know, I'll take it. This is what I'm aiming for. I'm going to try and get a straight line across. Am I? Uh, Am I Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber, or am I the lead um, legend, uh, Matthias Click? Uh, that's what the aspiration is. Matthias Click,
0: definitely Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> if we're voting,
2: it's a public vote, and then we have judges, so uh, we're not involved <laughs> in that. Uh, love it, but, uh, but yeah, this is the longest intro that we've ever done. It's good a good job we've got no guests guest in the
1: background who were like, bloody hell, this is... these lads are talking we shit for did ages. The surprise,
2: but they've, they've gone. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> so yeah who's kicking off let's uh
0: start. yeah let's do it um trends booklet so we, what we decided didn't we we were we were putting the our event on our, our annual event we've been talking about for quite a while the fact that we should we we essentially i think i, I like to tell people because it sounds a bit more sophisticated than we've got a podcast that we that we study the trends of education sounds <laughs> sounds like we're a research group uh but in a way i suppose that's what we do we're not dealing with hard data We're it's more anecdotal and in an interview uh qualitative rather than quantitative but we 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 do a lot of um we have a lot of conversations every week don't we with people out there all around the world from all pretty much all corners of the earth who are innovating in education and, we, and, and when you when you deal with that like us and if you're listening i mean i suppose you, you you're in a similar position to us as well where you start to see trends happening. we talk about this and we tend to do it when we're just having a podcast on our own don't we where we go right you know what we're starting to see trends emerging. and we, we kind of had that bitcoin um blockchain style trend emerging which is kind of plateaued off a little bit at the moment we but what I, what we wanted to do is was we we wanted to kind of present some of the trends that we're seeing and not just any trend so like the blockchain stuff isn't necessarily in this booklet, but the trends that we think seem to be here for the the long term. Um, so we put them together, didn't we, in a booklet, and we 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 had it published uh, by our good friends at Stress Free Printing. Do I get that right? Yep. Uh, Stress Free. Uh, Mike is it Mike Walker? Yep. Oh, I'm on a roll. Look at this. Have you got that? Uh, I'm literally. I can't, I can't. I can never remember anything, and it's just it's all coming into my head um yeah and give it the first so the people at the event were the first people to say it uh the link just below on the screen if you're watching is the link to the electronic version you can have it for free Uh, and it'll be in the show notes as well the cut the comment section for those who are uh listening on the podcast so i don't know ben i think you're you let's be honest here you did the majority of the writing for this um so do you uh, do you want to delve into kind of what the process of it
1: yeah yeah so i think we, we we're into this this idea of trying to listen out for those weak signals i know that's a phrase that you use a lot dan this listening for weak signals and kind of seeing what's coming down the line and we're, we're always really conscious the three of us offline always talk about this idea that we are typical people who say this isn't working and this is what's coming but we're, we're now trying to start thinking about how do we bring that future of education and make it real. So the whole conversation around this is what are the signals that are coming down the line regarding um, the future of education? And then how does that tie into where we are now? So the, the whole premise of the Trends booklet was to think about the themes that we've we've looked at over the last 12 months. So it's just the twelve last 12 months, 2022, 2023. Uh, what we're thinking is, is coming. And we kind of put them into four sections. We think, actually, when we listed them together about the things that we think people have talked about, what we've said is that we think there's weak signals around assessment, which we'll get into. We think there's weak signals around curriculum, weak signals around teaching and learning, and weak signals around technology. So they're, they're the four ideas. So the premise of the of, of the booklet was that we would, Showcase some key thinking that we've seen, what people are saying from the podcast, and then sharing their some ideas around some of the essays that we've written and how they might relate to to that content. So yeah, it's it's kind of an amalgamation of essays, uh, podcast quotes, and then uh, a key thought that we that we that we brought together as a as a three and, and 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 ultimately we have been been building this around this idea of a wolf. Remember, for those people who were at the event, remember the logo is a wolf, not a fox. Dan gets upset when you think it's a fox or anything else. It is a wolf. Uh, So we've made it very, very clear that it's a wolf now. Although, (laughs) listen to this, Dan, I haven't even told you this. You are going to absolutely, you're either going to go really red and angry or you're going to laugh. So I'm hoping it's the second one, not the first one. I wore my Edgy Futurist hat in South Africa, of course I did, representing the merch. Georgina had hers on. Shout out there as well. I also had Major Futures T-shirt on at some point as well.
0: Has Georgina got a hat?
1: Georgina bought a hat, yeah. yeah. She she wore it it? on the plane all the way out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, (laughs) class. (laughs) That's class. So um, what's what's really interesting is... (laughs) (laughs) This is it. I feel like... I'm hoping I'm building it up and it is going to be interesting. Is that one of the guys from the US, who will will remain nameless, said they thought it was a Wakanda Forever logo. (laughs) thought it was a Marvel Wakanda Forever logo. So I was like... um, it's not. It's not Wakanda forever. This is the edgy futurist logo. You're have to we are.
0: Google it to see what it looks like.
1: I don't even know if it looks like it. I don't know, but I just thought that was that was quite interested. So I just I started doing the uh, Wakanda forever, um, signal or whatever else. But yeah, the the theme around it all was, and a lot of the imagery that's in this booklet, as as you'll see when you click on the link or. Go on and look at that bit.ly link there. You'll see that it we're talking about wolves and wolves all dressed in futuristic clothing and, nah, and whatever it
0: looks, else. Is. Sorry, it looks nothing like it.
1: Does it not? Looks nothing like it.
0: Alright, okay. Yeah. It's not yeah, it's the, not it's not it's
1: not like that. It's not is, like I think
0: that, you're on are you on mute, Steve? The uh the, yeah, there is one like that, but there's another one that looks there is another one that looks I think it's a panther.
2: What
0: is it? I think so, but it, it doesn't look anything like it. Okay. All right, okay. Well, anyway,
1: <laughs> just 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 for that, Dan Dan is not defensive. It looks nothing like it. I'm saying it, it looks nothing like it.
2: Dan <laughs> anyway, looks nothing like a husky. Just calling it out. It
1: doesn't. Nothing like a
2: not
1: husky. It. it looks nothing like a. It looks lo- nothing like a, a beagle. Fox. Nothing like a, a beagle. Eagle. But what is, what's that? What's that? Uh, no, nothing like the the logo of a Shiba Inu. Nothing like that. Um,
0: anyway. It, honestly, button. though, like. A- yeah, the more it's one of those things where you know when someone says you're getting defensive, and the more you try to say you're not defensive, you get more defensive. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, so, uh, so yeah. but, but what I'm gonna do is
2: he's gonna share. I knew he was gonna oh, do that. I knew no, he was look, gonna find out. Oh, oh, no, he's in the background, making new logo.
0: <laughs> there it Dan, is. Look, yeah, Dan,
1: that's not far off. I'm not gonna lie. That's it, looks nothing like it. <laughs> Have you got your cap? Uh, no, somewhere, I don't know where it is. I can't believe Steve's not got a T-shirt on. I thought he just he's pretty much slept in that, hadn't you? Worn it every day and slept in it.
2: No. No? Just wore it that once. And then we all every have it Every single time, time day, I see you, you've
1: got, you've, got, you've got the edge of you Just You've, the, you've, t- t-
2: you've t- only seen t- me twice <laughs> then, because I had it on, on the view. <laughs> had it on, 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 was it Tuesday we met? Yeah, 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 yeah. Monday. Yeah, so Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday.
1: So, anyway. Uh, Anyway, so yeah, so the booklet is based around that idea. We want to we want to talk about trends, and that's what the kind of theme of the episode is going to be tonight, isn't it? It's about looking yeah. about what they are and what we've what we've seen and kind of summarizing some of that stuff. So sh- should we should we kind of uh, we kind of dig into assessment first? Makes sense for us to, to go there first.
2: It's the first yeah. theme that's in there. So the title is the, big in the... dead long yeah. live micro credentials. Is that is that the terminology?
1: To be honest, that would be a that would be a great newsletter title. Um, if you're not subscribing to our newsletter, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter. But um, yeah, that would be a great, that would have been a good newsletter title there, Steve. You've absolutely um, got one there, ready in the bank for when it's your turn. So yeah, exams are dead. Long live micro credentials. We talked about assessment, and the title was assessment: rethinking the measures of success. Um, so so yeah, it, 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 it'll come. There's no surprise to most of our regular listeners that we bang on about assessment, not being fit for purpose and we want to do something different, don't we? Yeah.
2: I think end point assessment and even new methods, especially in England, new methods of and new qualifications where we're breaching out in terms of like um, competency-based frameworks as they start out in regards to um, not sure about T-levels, but work placements, apprenticeships, all those kinds of things start out as wonderful things and now we've shoehorned an EPA that often, or an endpoint assessment, that isn't even anything related to it. It's like you, if people are going onto that program, nurses, everything else. Like, what? what why do we think an endpoint assessment? I don't know. It doesn't apply to the context of eighty percent. Le- uh, on the job and 20% learning it, it just it blows my mind a little bit and I think it was Germany I'm just trying to think whether it's been discussed on the podcast I'm just trying to think back and I'll try and find it and I'll, I'll try and refer back to it because I don't want to kind of call anything out that doesn't potentially exist but I'm sure it's Germany they've got this um, t- competency uh, teacher tap so they're observing um, people that are, whether they're competent in a, a particular thing so for example um, assessment in, in nursing. Um, or something like that, and every time somebody sees them do something, they tap and they and say, "I, I identify that person's competent." Doesn't say whether outstanding or anything else; just uh, identifies competency in a particular thing. And as it builds up, it builds up a portfolio of many, many different people saying that that person has been seen in different contexts and different um, situations, saying competent, competent, competent. What we do is we do all of this stuff. And then you have to write to the, and then somebody judges whether you're competent in, a, in the writing of it or an exam setting of it or an endpoint assessment. I'm like, what the fucking hell is that? Like, let's try and shoe on it into something different and let's get everybody jumping through the same. People go into those professions because they're caring because they love that kind of thing. They have a very different skill set to um, some academics. And, and then we start and shoe on exactly the same process into it. Um, talk about um, getting it wrong. My I think
1: I think that's really interesting there about competences and this idea that actually if, even if you think about the apprenticeship program, uh, which I know that we've we've all touched at different levels, this idea of apprenticeships being um, developing skills, knowledge, behaviours, and 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 it all comes down to these competences. And actually, to suggest that somebody is competent by them being able to pass an exam is not the same as saying that they are competent in doing that skill repeatedly. And it's that idea of what you're saying there is that ability to be able to repeat that over time and in context rather than just learning to pass a test. Um, and therefore, okay, now you're competent. It's almost, it's like it's like being able to, you get your GCSEs, and as long as you get that grade four in maths, you can go on and do your A-levels if you want to. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're competent. It's just one measure, isn't it? And it's one measure at one point in time, depending on all the things that we talk about, exams, Time of day, what you've had for breakfast, whether you've had breakfast, whether you've had current responsibilities whether you're feeling hundred percent that day, what the weather's like, all them things affect that one exam that everything's riding on and that's where we're thinking the the, the, the challenge lies isn't it
0: i I think there's hope you know i've been I've been working with uh, a few AOs, uh, some awarding organizations and they i think they they see that there's a need for something more. Um, and it, there's a few, there's a few different things. So I was, I was quite honored to be at a, at a round table with some awarding organizations where the actual conversation was around, it was around artificial intelligence, but it was, it was around how can we use the technology to infer skills of, of students. So, um, kind of, they, it was quite progressive because I think they'd recognise that actually our AI is very capable of marking work. If it's written down, it's very capable of doing that. But they weren't really that interested in in that side of things they were more interested in actually what about the inference of skills what and and we had actually had that conversation and, and you reminded me of it Steve when you were talking about the tapping and, and and we had this conversation about how actually well it's quite subjective and I think that's what that's where the fear is I think around this type of assessment because whether I think somebody's done demonstrate a skill somebody else thinks somebody else is is the person's demonstrated skill and then and like you mentioned the different contexts as well it's quite it's a very subjective process whether somebody's ticked a box or wrote an answer and got a got a mark is i mean it's supposed to be quite objective but as as we know that can be quite subjective as well but the the inference of of skills is is a subjective thing so we were talking about how ai could probably help with that and actually it was kind of some of the conclusions that we came to were the human should still be involved. It should still be the human making the making the initial inference of has that person demonstrated that skill or not. But then, when there's a when there's a f- a few people who've who who have judged that skill, then the AI kind of almost aggregates all of that evidence, and and is able to to objectively look and, and go, has this person met this skill or not? And and it's it's interesting because. AI gets a lot of stick for bias, and rightfully so, but actually, in this instance, it would be using AI to to cut through maybe some of the biases that the human assessor would have, and 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 again, that's where the fears are with this, and mm-hmm. and, and 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 I think a lot of a lot of people who advocate exams, they are, I don't think they're 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 wanting t- to be that that yeah. I, What's the word? I wanted to say I don't think they're evil. <laughs> that's probably the wrong word. But they, they want they they just want it to be standardized. They want it to be fair and, and and they say that is the only the only way to do it. But actually there is there there might be a way with te- with this new technology to make the inference of skills fair. And, and once we get into that realm, then we can I think that that's a next step in in our in our assessment journey, really, where we can actually start to really systemize, in a way, um, the the observance of skills.
1: But interestingly, a couple of things just to, to, to think about that. I remember once, when I was about 13 or 14, I took a free kick and I absolutely nailed it at the top corner. And ever since that point, I thought to myself, I'm the, I am I can take a free kick was the first thing. And every other was this time, on FIFA? No, it was in know. real life. I remember nailing it and thinking to myself, I'm, I'm David Beckham. This is it. I'm going to make it. Somebody's going to spot me. i want to get. I want to get picked up. Um, and I never did it again. I never scored a free kick like that ever, ever again. So it's that. The, the, my argument is, is that the exam is a little bit more like that one free kick. I'm not competent at taking free kicks. Um, until I've done that regularly and somebody's analysed how I'm doing that, why I'm doing that, my ability to do that from different angles and different ways, and then actually be able to talk about maybe even talk about the process that i go through i think there's there's something in that as well that justification of the skill you've developed um rather than just oh i can lay a brick now or i can code um it's explaining the the, the methodology behind that is 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 where yeah. it's yeah
0: and i think i think there could be ai can look so you might not have the the ability to to be eloquent uh when you're writing for example But that doesn't mean you haven't learned the skills. So, an AI system that kind of knows your reading, your writing level, and things like that, um, could be trained to infer actually, have you have you really reflected on this? Have you really got the skill? Um, But it's interesting. But another thing, I was working with another awarding organisation, and the the conversation it was at a high level in this organisation as well, and the conversation went to, well, actually their frustrations were the same as our frustrations in terms of endpoint um, assessments. Um, and actually they started talking about it in a very serious way as well of just going, well, well, why don't we just start creating unregulated qualifications? And actually if they're good, uh, industry will recognize them and people and students will want them and almost sidestep in the system to create unregulated ass- assessments. And they, they're seriously thinking about doing it. Well, they're not just thinking about doing it, they are doing it. They're starting small, but actually that's where they see the future of where they're going, which is interesting.
2: Yeah, and I think, I don't think the concept of exam is the worst term or the worst thing in the world. I think it's what we've created it to be rather than just that one that we've created. it that That's the only thing, the only measure generally um, for, for the majority of our young people going through that process, you know, I think it's Australia. They've got, uh, was it last year, September, October last year, 2022. Um, they created the micro credentials work. I don't know. I've not followed it to see whether it's actually into fruition and whether anybody's picked it up, but you might have some, um, or places like new South Wales that might be picking up, um, sections of that and, and leading it. And that was loads of different people feeding into actually trying to focus on, um, ongoing assessment and, and micro-credentials and, and micro-badging and everything else rather than that one thing. I think it's a mixture of pl- applica- applications to context. And I saw it in practice. Um, Hargah-Hellier University, I want to say 2015, 2016. It might have been before that. I don't even know what, what year it was. But I, I, managed, I went over and spent two weeks over there uh, when I was in education, saw their context worked, worked. Um, with um, a variety of different people in the university. I was working with, actually, athletes. So people had just been through the Olympics, um, and the Winter Olympics, uh, o- ice hockey players, um, uh, figure skaters, um, what it, downhill skiers, and the big is it ski jump. So all of these people that were actually talented and had been in the Olympics, and they went down a very different pathway, and they were doing a vocational pathway um, and engaging with employees that came in, judged. They did loads of projects, loads of different stuff, Whereas those people who were strictly academic that knew that they wanted to go into that pathway got a choice to go and sit exams and go through that thing. so it is happening, and it's been happening for for quite a few years um but generally in in england you you don't get the idea do you? You do, no. do do?
1: it's compulsory for everybody and and yeah. and even though you, you used a stat the other day, Steve, about the million children in the u k that are going to be out out of education at the moment currently any one times a million children not in education that should be in education. Like there's there's a there's a disparity between those who can and those who can't. I've used example on on the podcast a lot about the amount of times my younger brother failed his maths GCSE. Like it's it's into well into the double figures because um, he, he couldn't he couldn't progress beyond where he was going to until he started passing his GCSE and he did it three times in school he had to go to college and do it multiple times and he's still not past it. Well, then he's labelled as a failure. And I think maybe, maybe I am a bit biased because I think that's holding him back that because he can't pass that grade four in, in a GCSE, he, he's limited. But my argument is, is does he need to? And also, the other thing is that that kind of comes out in the booklet is that there's there's more skills than being able to understand the features of a VC at Valley and being able to label the angles on a triangle, there's, there's more skills like that we can't assess in an exam, like creativity. How do you, how do you assess somebody's creative skill in an exam or can they paint, can they draw? Well, there's there's a, there's a much bigger um, spectrum of what creativity is or collaboration or whatever else than just what they can produce in an exam. And I think we've got to rethink the skills that really matter and then how we can assess them and I, and I do wonder Dan I think I'm, I'm with you on that that probably a lot of the ai tools are going to help do that in a in a in a softer way than just a sitting in an exam hall at the end of each school year under them timed conditions that are that are not conducive for everybody as the yeah. only measure
0: yeah and i think even even within the that kind of inverted commas exam hall scenario as well i think ai has a massive potential to help out because if you think once you go into that because th- th- let's be honest there's still stuff people need to know uh there's still you still need to we're still going to need to assess people on certain knowledge whether it be for certain professions or whether it be for for as they like i mean i always think of especially the primary school level like if i sent <laughs> if i sent my uh, well i'm, I'm going to send my my kids to a primary school I'm gonna want them to know certain things by certain levels as they go through school. Um, and because it's the build-and-box, build and blocks of their of their knowledge, of their skills. Um, but what if what if those assessments were nonlinear within the room? So let's say, for example, you go into a into an exam hall, you've got a paper that starts on page one, ends on page 20, and everybody's doing the same paper. What if what if the the exam could adapt to you? and I often use the analogy of if we were both, if we were all three of us had the same job for the same company and we were all given the same task, we might all be very successful at that task, but we could, we could have got there three different ways based on the contacts we have, the knowledge we have, the different skills we have, the times, like we might all still do a really good job, but different path to get there. And I think why can't that be the same within, within an exam, for example, why can't it's, a student struggles and then the exam takes that student down a certain path and actually the student's able to able to get over that stumble and block in a different way to how somebody else might get over it but it leads them back to the same conclusion the same kind of objective um i think that adaptive exam for want of a better term i think could be could could be massive could be huge and, and allow people who who aren't linear thinkers who aren't going from page one to page 20 who do need to go around the block to get there who um and somebody who can just do it off the top of their head very very quickly still both be successful within within getting to the end goal
1: absolutely and it's ultimately you can celebrate that journey on the way as well different people's different milestones don't have to jump through the same hoops i think i think that's really smart dan i think i think that's bang on uh, the, the second element in the trends book, because I think we could probably we have we do quite a lot. We could go on about assessment a lot, and I think we've got solutions, we've got ideas. Um, if, uh, if 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 these listen, but the second one is about curriculum, and our little subtitle on curriculum was breaking the ivory tower, which obviously we're thinking about this idea that the curriculum shouldn't just be about what's always been, which and and it ties into that bit you're talking about their knowledge, Dan that there are things that people need to know. There are some things that that people, well, we thought people needed to know that can actually Google now. And you might never need to know it in the same way because you've got access to that knowledge. You've got greater access to knowledge than ever before. But now what we're talking about is that the curriculum needs to break those ivory towers and not just be dictated down. Probably we need to have good relationships with employers Uh, good relationships with um, future thinking organizations as well and they should be influencing uh, the curriculum and what's being delivered so it's this idea that we're democratizing democratizing access to a curriculum and and thinking about how learning might look a little bit different uh, to create a space uh, from from a curriculum perspective what do we think on that
0: I'm I'm kind of I wrestle with this quite a bit, and so I'm not I haven't got a I haven't got a position on it as like a solid position. So what I'm about to say I might regret tomorrow. But um, the I, I I in like as you were talking then I was thinking about it. I struggle with even just the concept of a curriculum. i think like I think it's almost like this book where where over the years people put new knowledge in and go right. This is what. This is what we want a student by a child by the time they're 18 to know in that chapters on biography, the next chapters on biology, physics. This is in and, and then obviously we've got problems which we might want to get into with where the that book gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and not much is taken out of it, and 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 we and, and it becomes near impossible to teach it, which a lot of our teachers find themselves in that situation regularly. But it seems almost arbitrary to me. Um and I know, uh, there's a, yeah, there's a guy called Terry Giri. People might know me; he's the writer of "Horrible Histories," the kids' uh, book and TV series. But he gave a talk about 15 years ago, where he kind of outlined where the where the subjects came from, um, why they decided to teach students that, and, I, and I'm I'm not going to do it justice, but it really you can find it on YouTube. But it really it always it sticks with me it's like a video that i kind of probably think about once every few weeks just pops into my head because i think that it just seems very arbitrary that we're teaching students this this stuff and actually and, I, and i'm not saying that we some of it we don't need with students don't need to learn but i mean there's the old argument of well what about all the other stuff they don't learn the practical stuff you know that it yeah, all like finance and cooking stuff. yeah all the ones that people normally come out with and and it is quite a cliche thing to say but I think it does hold a lot of truth um but also yeah I just I I kind of struggle I, I might be I don't think I'm on my own here but I think what have I actually remembered if I was if the whole point of education was to get me to remember stuff from the age I was three or four to the age I was 18 and beyond has it actually done a good job of making me remember it? Is that book in my brain now? Well, in- interesting, interesting.
2: You guys mentioned V-shaped valleys? No idea what it is. Don't remember <laughs> anything from school. Completely. <laughs> you
1: are gradual. really old, though.
2: Yeah. yeah, and you've
1: yeah, you edited yeah. you you a football a lot, so yeah. it's like
0: Ero- erosion bad. hadn't got that far when you were in school, Steve. There wasn't no such <laughs> thing as V Valleys. What you try to
2: say about, what you to say about my, <laughs> I, I did do erosion, coastal erosion. <laughs> I remember that geography, Flamborough Head versus Hornsey. That's what the v
1: Valley thing's about, erosion. Oh,
2: is it? Erosion, <laughs> yeah. Mine was like rock formation, it wasn't anything to do with yep. v Valley, it was yeah. That's it was, what it, it is. is I'm I, I well, I'd clearly not remember it, but I think the thing that I just Took straight away from what you, were, what you were saying there, Dan, flexible. And I'm going to absolutely butcher this because I can't ever speak properly, but like interdisciplinary. Dis- yep. dis-
1: yeah, 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 bang
2: on, like, yeah. And focused on knowledge, skills, application, context, flexible. So actually we're always adding stuff to it. We're iterating that, that curriculum all the time. How many times, like I remember when I was teaching, you get a specification like, it says Olympics 2020 2012. We're in, we're in 2016 now. Like, you know, we're hitting the next Olympics like you know. and now there's different sports and different events that are in the Olympics. There's rock climbing in now that wasn't in. Like, it, it, it becomes nonsensical and, and, and absolutely bonkers, really. But I think flexible and we're saying what, what does curriculum look like? And I'm, people might listen and go absolutely wrong. The one that I love and the one that I'm fascinated with often, I always refer back to as one that's maybe not solving all the problems, but I think one that's making the biggest jump to that that is flexible and and does this into discipline is the phenomenon model of learning like if you look at project based learning in finland if you look at if you read the books uh, and everything else that goes with it that is literally its focus and there's all this thing that if people in, in england always call out and go yeah but they're not they're not succeeding finland's not doing as well doing doing as well in compared to what what they're judging as success is absolutely different to what England's judging as success. We're judging exam results. They're judging actually, are we creating young people to be ready for the world as it's evolving?
1: I think the answer to that is absolutely a resounding no, because the uh, the employers are telling us that the skills that they're coming out with or the, and, and the understanding, they're having to retrain them. So
0: um, I think th- you've hit the nail on the head there as well, because especially from a governmental level, they always seem to look at the the PISA worldwide results, on, and we're near the top, so we must be one of the best education systems in the world. But actually, we're near the top, and and uh, I'm, I'm I'm essentially paraphrasing Priya Carne because she always says this. So this is not this is not my observation, but um, she she always says, yeah, we're at the top, but we're at the top for regurgitation. Yep. That's literally why we're near the top because we because we've gotten really good at making our students regurgitate but actually that is a skill is fairly worthless. Yep.
1: Yeah, absolutely sure. And interestingly in the booklet we talk about this idea of that ikigai model so that idea that you've got a uh, we're trying to get people to we 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 use David TM Carter's um uh episode of the podcast and he talks about this idea that actually we need to find that thing where it's a mixture between a passion a mission a vocation and a profession so it's almost like from a learning perspective the curriculum needs to focus on how do we make young people or help young people to become fulfilled holistic well well well-rounded young people rather than just going down this, the word curriculum literally means course of study. And it's come from that Latin word around um, a race course. So you're like, you run in a lane. So you run a lane and you run a course. Well, that the irony of all that is that you can't just say stay in your lane. You certainly can't just say, this is the race that's marked out for you, run that race, because because everything changes. The well, world changes. The pandemic changed everything. Uh, global air traffic, uh, air, airfares and travel, uh, changed everything the internet changed everything ai is changing everything so we can't say this is the course running it because it's because because we can't know that and ultimately that also ties into that uh, we've had we've had lots of guests on over the years who uh, and, and we aren't necessarily the best people to talk about this from our experiences and and our backgrounds but like the decolonization of the curriculum and the idea of whether the curriculum is biased towards a set of values and a set of knowledge set uh, a knowledge set that is not representative and is not um he's not fair and equitable and we've got we've certainly got to do something about that in terms of the curriculum haven't we?
2: Yeah I think there's so many different aspects to it but I think does our current curriculum empower students? Does it tailor is it tailored to the future or actually is it even tailored to the now? I don't think it is. Um, and am going back to the book. Um, I'm just trying to think of the author and the name of the book. Fin- finished lessons, Passy. Somebody's going to have to help me. But like, I, I, if you've not read the book, pass uh, finish f- uh, finished lessons, is is a book all around phenomenon based learning and everything else, and it talks about future focus, Passy something. Uh, I'll try and find it, but. I, I've I've read it, it sounds like I haven't, but I've read it, it's such a great book based on all of that kind of thing. And like I looked at it and I was Patsy like
1: Sauerberg. Patsy Salberg, Patsy Salberg is. Right,
2: yeah. right. Okay. So it it absolutely and this is why I don't remember anything. I'm sure lot of people tried try to teach me lots of different things at school. I remember nothing how I've I have i I've, I've succeeded in life or even got to where I have after have wear Velcro shoes. But I, I just don't think it we talk about knowledge, important, talk about context, talk about skills, talk about problem solving the seas. But compassion, joy, curiosity, anything, we don't, we, everything is, is in isolation. We get people to, to sit in rows uh, and we'll move on to teaching and learning a bit. But our curriculum is based on knowledge of an individual rather than knowledge of the collective. And I just don't think that's the way that the world is. Everything's interconnected, the world has become smaller. And actually, what we've done is we've said, no, you need to do everything on your own. And then we worry about social uh, isolation. Because we're telling kids to always be on their own and and never and don't work with each other because it's cheating. Yeah. Th- this, is the, it. this is it. This is it.
1: Like, literally, right now, we've got these people sat in, well, not right now at this time, but this time of year, we've got them square desks, haven't we? And they still give me little art palpitations, like thinking about a person on their own on a little square desk separated from everybody else. That is not the real world. It never happens now. There is no time where you you have to go in work. I might be wrong. But even a doctor googles it if they if they're not they're not sure. So that's that's essentially where, where we
2: are. So I've just yeah. failed the exam. I just I tried to name a book and the author, and without Ben, <laughs> I would not have passed the test. Ben came and yes. to tell me that is the yes. real world. Like, yes. you know, we help each other out and we, we work in groups. Sometimes you have to work in isolation. Of course you do. But when, I think for curriculum and assessment so far, what we're saying is not everything's wrong, but we've created something that's the only way you can do it. There is no choice. There is no empowerment. There's no um, empowerment, no... Autonomy. Student-centric autonomy, yeah. nothing. Yeah. There isn't. We, we basically created and said, you must do this and do it in this way. And if, if you don't, you're a failure. Um, it's I a, think, it I,
0: I think it's, it's... I don't know if it's psychologically. We like to think of things as almost like a book. And I think like we need to get from one end to the to the next. It's full of information and we need to impart it. We need to... We need. I mean, I and I was I was even thinking the other day. I mean, that's how the internet set up, isn't it? The internet is like, like a we literally call them uh, web pages. So you go on a website and it's got different pages, and then you go through it. The psychological centuries of books. We we've we've molded the internet to to look like a library of books, and actually, I think with with the kind of dawn of of the new artificial intelligence that we have, I I mean, I personally think and I'm I'm probably getting a bit off track here but I think it does link back is that I think that we won't have that we we're not going to need websites we're not going to need we're not going to need web pages we because we can have a dialogue we can have a dialogue we don't have to search it like a book we can have a dialogue and I think maybe that's that's a model for curriculum it's not a it's not a book where we have to get from one end to the other and and our students have to remember remember the words from the book but actually it's a dialogue and if it's a dialogue that's very different because you might not cover it all. You might cover one bit in depth. You might cover five bits uh, in depth. You might actually the student might dictate the journey as to what's covered and what's learned, based on cube things like curiosity and, and and all of that. I think that, I think there's, there's better ways of doing this, isn't there? There has to be better ways of doing this
1: for sure. And the, and that really does ties into this third thing. It's not just superficial there we're moving into this teaching and learning bit and the subtitle there is unleashing the power of curiosity, because that is absolutely um if we don't, if we go through an episode without you mentioning the word curiosity, I think it's been, um, it's um <laughs> they are a very rare occurrence, aren't they? Cause we, cause we know that this we've said it multiple times. I don't know who said it first, whether it was a guest or whether it was one of us, one size fits all actually means one size fits none. um And, the curriculum that does that and a teaching and learning style pedagogy that is always the same, teacher-led, dictating from the front, um, uh, that very much chalk and talk model works in seasons and any, and we are not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. We're not saying we shouldn't do that ever. But ultimately, it's not the only way to teach and it's certainly not the only way to learn. And we talked about that curiosity thing, that student-led learning that that level of discovery-based learning, it all, all comes up in there, and this idea that actually, naturally, young people are curious, but we almost school that out of them um, through 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 the methodologies that we use, and that's and that's not the fault of teachers necessarily. It's probably tied back to the curriculum, the fact that that book is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, that everything has to go, that everything has to be delivered, and after we have to. Get through curriculum. We're not saying we're not saying it's anybody's necessarily fault, uh, other than the system. But we are. We, we we need to move beyond that, don't we, from our pedagogical setting and teaching and learning setup.
2: I think teaching and learning for me is, I know, I've said it a million times. I probably say it every, every day. Extending learning beyond the or walls of a classroom, extending four walls of a building. I think we're fascinated by buildings let's buy more buildings because we've got more students, blah, blah, blah. Well, what about online learning? What about hybrid learning? What about and then t- think about the teaching. We just talked about structure and no iteration or anything. Well, at the beginning, we create a scheme of work or a scheme of learning or whatever you call it. Then we create a a, a, um, a, a lesson plan uh, and we tell people they have to do this and they have to. that's what they have to do. But is it really a plan? Because the plan can change, but we don't. We sometimes chastise people when people go in and all seen it was like oh they didn't really stick to the plan and what like you know ultimately and and, and I think it's that whole thing we've all written digital strategies I wrote a digital strategy and I said I'm going to do it for three to four years and I'm going to change it every year and I said oh well that's a one-year strategy I said no it isn't I said the plan is to get from here to here but actually it needs to be iterated because things will change and different things will influence it but we don't We, we create something and like you said Dan I think on the lap in terms of curriculum we create and we just say we have to stick by it I just don't think we think enough and Covid had, had a good opportunity I think we've now used it as that thing that nobody liked, nobody liked being at home nobody liked learning online well many many people do but it was a response to a pandemic and we couldn't leave the house um, and I think Bob Harrison's always talked about the genie of the ball well, you go around many many schools the is back in unfortunately we have some wonderful tools, but what what secondary schools? What percentage? I don't know. What if, if we went round now? What percentage are actually delivering online or an alter, or a hybrid model? I, I bet there aren't many. Um, why is that? I don't know. Why why are we just teaching and obsessed with getting them into the classroom is uh, apparently research tells us. Well, you can research a lot of things and and, and tell a story and tell a story you want to, um, but um, yeah. Um, it, it
1: it's an interesting one as well because over the over the course of the last twelve months and actually probably the last five years we've heard people talking about these things. Sh- we should be teaching and learning these things. These should be part of the curriculum, but also these these are the ways that we should teach and 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 often. Uh, we've resonated heavily with things like project-based learning, with inquiry-based learning. We've talked about continuous provision, uh, Montessori models. Um, we quote Gavin McCormack in this book from the Montessori school um, setup, and 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 but ultimately, like if you look at the majority of the conversations that we've had, they're all suggesting that there needs to be choice. And also that we need to help young people navigate and we need to do that thing around facilitation. And actually the role of the teacher is moving away from being the sage on the stage, the only person who's got the information. Because once in a day, that was the case. You got the degree, you're the only person that holds this knowledge, and therefore you've got to somehow pass that along. What we're saying now in the, in the information age and the post-information age, like w- w- that's, not, that's not, teachers aren't the only people that hold that, are they?
2: Well, no. If we talk about research, Sagata um, Mitra, the hole-in-the-wall experiment, facilitation, self-oriented learning, uh, the soul uh, theory, all of those different kind of things. Uh, they're called different things, but the collaborative learning approach often is chastised and says it doesn't work. But actually, I think it, there's different context to it, isn't there? Um, how can you, in the way that we currently... Um, focus on learning and teaching. How can we create individualised pathways and apply adaptive learning technologies and stuff like that? We can't because literally everybody's given the same information and doing activities all at the same time um, for the vast majority. Um, so I think it, it, it's going to take a, a big shift. That's why we talk about the revolution often, isn't it? We can iterate it, but actually it's going to take a big shift. Um, and yeah, we've submitted so many um, different ways. We even talk about the, the whole approach of online schools and the rise of online schools. Some great practice, um, Kedata, um Sora, uh, Synthesis, all of those different things, um, and, and, and Activate Learning, you know, the winner from this year, all of those people are now delivering high-quality, open university, delivering high-quality um, online learning away from a fixed building because actually, in many contexts around the world, buildings don't exist. So actually, do you know, let's think differently. It doesn't have to be just buildings. It can be buildings. It can be great, some great spaces, some great schools, some great uh, learning environments. But also, let's do some things a little bit different as well.
1: Agreed. Anything to add there on teaching Learn, Dan.
0: No. Should we? Should we go to the next one? Yeah. then. I, I
2: let's, just let's just move on to yeah. AI. <laughs> damn, damn exactly. count three words, uh, but, uh, and it was yeah. AI, AI, AI but, <laughs> but, uh, here we go. Um,
1: uh, so, so the fourth element was technology, and our little subtitle here was empowering education through innovation. Um, it's absolutely no surprise that, that we talked about technology uh, as one of the key trends we're seeing and the changes in, in in technology and probably if we'd have been writing this, this trends booklet pre-November it'd have been very different um, because we wouldn't have probably talked about this wonderful tool that's that's evolving and developing and everything moving forward in terms of chat GPT. but it's not the only thing and uh, the technology that is powering the, the future of education or going to be powering the future of education and even the current space now These uh super important in fact by the way in the booklet the only person who's quoted twice is donald clark which tells you a a lot of where we're talking about this the only person that's quoted twice is donald clark and obviously his conversations were heavily around the use of technology uh, and ai there's no there's no comments about the labor party and the tories we didn't put that in the booklet we just saved that for the event didn't we but yeah uh technology empowering
0: education through innovation what do we think uh, well I think uh, yeah it's such a big topic isn't it we've only got a few minutes left the the um, I, I guess I think a lot of us who've involved in edtech we kind of for years for for years now edtech is people have thought EdTech could be the thing that disrupts education. Um, and it just hasn't really. And the education system's done a really good job of, of picking and choosing from kind of what EdTech presents and the benefits that it pre- presents and helping using it to optimize the current system. So, you know, we talked about the three boxes, and I think uh, you mentioned it before, Ben, the kind of, actually, that box one stuff of, of optimizing just the way we've always done it. And EdTech can do that. And I suppose if you want to put it up against a, a model, the SAMR model works here. So um, it can augment it. Um, it can it can replace. But actually, it, it, it very, very rarely transforms um, or disrupts as well. Um, and actually, the world around education, and obviously talking very generally here, but the world around education has has been disrupted massively by technology over the last 50 years. But education has always done a good job of just picking what what will will optimize the current system um, and not disrupt it. I think we're now with the AI stuff coming and the changes that are apparently coming down the line in terms of the advancements, I think probably we're in a situation where education is not going to be to hide anymore. It's not just going to be to pick bits of this technology to help it optimize what it's always done we're actually going to get some actual foundational um, disruptions going on within education. Um, and it's interesting because I was reading today, I read the whole um, the the American, the US government department of education have just released a document on artificial inter- intelligence and the future of teaching and learning it's called. Um, it's not about the future of teaching and learning uh, at all. It's about how AI can optimize but what's always happened essentially with some bits in there about keeping children safe and security and privacy which are obviously important things but um one of the things that i'm preparing preparing uh something for the weekend on this is one of the things i'm i'm thinking about is actually it's just more of the same it's more of the um how does how do we utilize this technology so that we we just help it to support what we've always done and and to be to be Honest, I think in the short term there's value in that. If it's gonna save teachers time, uh, because let's let's be honest, we we've all been teachers, like you you might have ideas about how the system can transform, but at the end of the day, you've still got to go into work and abide by the policies and the the culture and the structure that already exist, that currently exist. So if it's gonna help teachers save time, if it's gonna help improve things in the short term, amazing. And that's what I spend a lot of my time doing anyway. I, I it's what I love doing. But I've also got one eye on the fact that this is gonna transform things it's going to disrupt things eventually it has to and even if the education system doesn't want to be disrupted and does just keep it at arm's length then it's going to be backed into a corner eventually or there's going to be competitors come along and 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 take take away students i think could be could be somewhere where this goes so and and i I, it's this thing and i always (laughs) i always agreed with it to a certain extent to a certain extent and i think you'd be mad not to agree with it to be fair but that that whole that rhetoric of um the learning must come first technology has to support the learning okay and we've all said it we all say it, even now uh technology it's not technology for the sake of it. technology must support the learn but i think that phrase is almost used as an excuse to go well Actually, we're just going to pick the technology that supports the system. This is the way we always do it: the technology that supports the current objectives. And I think, personally, I think, I think we're going to have to rethink that. And I, and I don't know if that's controversial or not. I'm kind of speaking off the top of my head. I haven't said this out publicly before, but I think we wanted to support learning, but not the. This is the way we've always done it, teaching and learning, the the current objectives. Because I think, especially the technology we're facing at the moment, if we, we can't just pick and choose what we want to, to support the current system, we just can't do that. Otherwise, we're going to be left behind. We've got to, I think it comes a point where we've got to let it disrupt us. We've got to let it disrupt the way we've we set our learning objectives the way we set on it goes back to the way we set our assessments the way we set our teaching and learning um and all of that i think it runs through all of that um yeah i'm just ranting here um yeah some, some no, of my I, I
1: think it lands there and, and i know that ai is interesting you mentioned that word disruption ken shelton in south africa talked about um a lot of people think about innovation uh, and when they talk about innovation actually all they're talking about is re hashing the same thing with putting a new skin on it. Um, That's what a lot of people think about when they come to innovation. He talks about new things. There must be a new outcome for something to be innovative. Um, But he also talked about dismantling. And he said uh, a lot of people talk about disruption, but actually what we're talking about is dismantling. I know he has a particular spin on that in terms of, and rightly so in terms of ideas around uh, race and uh, equity and all the stuff that sits with that. But for me, I think that
0: fits in with the three boxes, though, doesn't it? Box yeah, two it is the dismantling, and, yeah, for sure. and Box three is the new way of doing things. And I don't know about you, but when I think when I think of the word disruption, I think the image in my head is almost the foundations of a building shaken, yeah, and then bits of the building starting to fall off. I don't know what I don't know what what relevance that has, but that's just the image that's in my head whenever I say that word. But, but yeah, but
1: interesting as well is like when I hear the word disruption, and this is quite interesting because we all have like ideas about what that perception is i think about disruption and i think about the the disruptive person in a class um and actually what what disruption looks like in a classroom is somebody who uh, is not prepared to do what has always been what what has been told everybody has to do and they are kicking off for whatever reason and then the answer to the disruption and this is, and I, I've used the word disruption quite a lot, and it's it only made me think this last few last few days. I've used the word disruption quite a lot because what we do with a disruption in a class is we remove that disruption. And um, now, if we do dismantling, what we're doing is we're saying the disruption is not just saying, uh, uh, "Well, let's remove it." We're saying, "Okay, the disruption is necessary, but now what we need to do is we need to unpick some stuff, deconstruct some stuff, and then rebuild it in a different way, which is." We might have the same similar building blocks, but we need to build them in a different way, and I think that's what AI is allowing us to do. Is it different blocks? Is it a different cement between the blocks? Who knows? I don't want to use, overuse that analogy, but even some of the other technologies that we've talked about, we talked about blockchain, and I know we're not talking about that quite uh, quite as much because AI is is, is become um, uh, super important in what we do. But that idea of micro credentials and this idea around blockchain being something. Where um, uh, somebody's somebody said this the other day. I don't know who it was. Maybe I was having a conversation with somebody. Somebody's exam results or qualifications going. It was Darren White. He was talking about it. He was this idea: should the should the uh, should you be able to take your results with you and then develop this idea of uh, uh, micro credentials as you go on the blockchain? We've talked about this loads of times. Um, that we, we we probably need to use technology to do something different that way. Um, and and obviously we got we got we went buzzing about NFTs and and all that kind of stuff and it hasn't always materialized in the same way which is all okay but that's the, also the part the nature of some of this disruption and dismantling it's got to be risky hasn't it it's not always going to work and that uh, actually it's not about win or lose it's about win or learn isn't it and from a technology perspective we can we we can do that Steve looks like he's pensive and deep in thought or either that or he's falling asleep with his eyes open oh,
2: no no just. Just try to think about all the different stuff. I think it's, there's enhance in there, um, enhance, engage, enable. I think uh, technology will be the enabler um, for, for educators. Uh, it will transform, it will, but we have to allow it. I think there's a power struggle, and I think the power is in the decision makers. The power is often with the people that want to keep the status quo, so that's where the restrictions come and I'm not going to name them because we've talked about them often for the podcast, but there's certain people in education. Education at times has said it's not invested in. There's a lot of money in education. Is It going to go the right places. And I think we need to allow that enablement because edu- as technology is transforming the world, it should do so that the world should influence education and what we're learning and how we're learning. And it hasn't, um, uh, it, it seems a bit bit crazy really and i think disruption as a term is seen as a negative one like stress well there's two types of stress there's de-stress and eustress there is de-stress is a negative response to a situation that causes um tension causes headaches causes negative emotion causes um, a a drop in performance stress is actually a positive cognitive response to um to a situation like you know some people and athletes perform really, really well under stress. That's you stress. And I think disruption has two things. It's positive and, and, and sometimes negative, but we always focus on a disruptor. as a, a, Often as a negative, negative person, you're disruptive. Well, be curious. Be, let's disrupt. Let's try and change things. And let's use technology, metaverse, blockchain, web three, AI, all those kind of things to enable Because right now we have a shortage, a global shortage of educators. And how do we solve that? How do we enable them? How do we get them? How do we provide quicker feedback and tailored uh, pathways for learning and all these different things without technology? don't think it's possible because we don't have enough teachers to do it. don't think we replace teachers, but we need to enable teachers to be able to create those things and use technology for it.
0: It's really interesting, isn't it? Within education, we talk about technology. We're very careful... in, in general to talk about well technology must must only enhance what we're already doing it must only enhance it we almost want to keep it in that box well, it, it just in that in that america that united states uh, government document talks about that a lot it's like it must, and it talks about a human-centered approach which i fully agree with but it it, it kind of drops back to that that rhetoric of well it just must enhance what we're already doing actually most industries are are really like and i and and i know we, we've all worked in fe so we we've all worked with with industries as 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 further education colleges do that they don't just they don't do that with technology that's not the outlook with technology it's not like oh we're only going to bring this in if it enhances what we're doing they want to get on board the most innovative industries want technology to come in and transform what they're doing not just enhance what they're doing um it and i think we, we're missing a trick if we don't that we're not embracing it we're not embracing it to, as a transformative tool or a transformative power we just want it to we just want it to enhance what we are already doing. we just want it to to help us get there um a bit more efficiently and actually it can do so much more
1: it, it can it can i think there's a fear around that as well and i know we're going to bring this episode to a close but it's interesting as well that we don't, we are not just suggesting technology for technology's sake. We're not also just suggesting that technology will replace teachers. Steve said that already. It's not saying that schools and colleges need to totally. I don't know. I don't think we are saying throw out the baby with the bathwater. And also, um, do we need? Do we need to really, truly transform some of this stuff? I I, I think we do. But it's a question. I suppose we leave here that, that there are there are lots of children that and young people that complete school and complete college and complete university and the system is ticking along and um, the economy's working to an extent, the the employment's working to an extent. Like if we're perpetuating that system, it's just, it's just whether actually something as disruptive or dismantling as the, the advancements in AI, because AI obviously has been around a long time, but the advancements and the fast advancements of things like, um some of this ai stuff and the the open ai stuff is is going to have catastrophic impacts and i mean and i don't use that word lightly if we don't um mitigate for it and certainly don't aren't aware of it and aren't 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 thinking differently around it um i i I don't know but yeah there's, there's lots of things around it but i think just as a kind of summary from from what we've talked about this idea of we we wrote this booklet because we think there are weak signals for some of the stuff that's coming. Um we know some of this stuff is controversial. We have never tried away from that. We called our event the uprising because we're actually suggesting there needs to be something different. Um and the time is now, is what we said. It's not let's not wait and let's oh let's let's work out what we need to do here. Let's let's dive in and work it out as we go. Let's build it as we go. Um I think I think that's I think that's where we're at with it. So if you haven't already listened. Uh, listened downloaded watched found the uh trends booklet the link is on the screen uh it's a bitly link if you go to uh, bit.ly slash ef trends 2023 you'll be able to go down to that um and we'll obviously be unpicking this more as we, as we go forward and let's see what see what the tw- trends of 2024 are going to look like yeah who knows good conversation lads it's been a good one that Nobody else yeah. on the po- nobody else on the podcast, and we've and we've and we've gone for over an hour, just us just us ranting on, and and uh, we haven't even thought out or or been silly really, we'll quite sensible.
2: Like, we'll wait till we uh, end broadcast and then we'll start discussing that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: that's one. That's all. Done. Good job. One!